Brave moment is a space to be yourself, to reflect on the ordinary and extraordinary moments that are part of everyday life. I hope we can heal, laugh, share wisdom, and just be brave together. Welcome back to the Brave Moment podcast. Today I have someone who I love very deeply, a sister, um, a friend, a coach, a mentor, Ilza Pakri. Welcome to the table. Mm, thanks, Mali. Really, really happy to be here with you and share this moment. Awesome. Thank you so much for making the time. I know everyone's um, extremely busy and the schedules are obviously very difficult to get into. But today we have something really beautiful to share with everyone. And we're talking about coming back to yourself. And that topic sounds very like complex and very wide. But as we were thinking about it, I think the biggest thing that really came out was that everything about life is a journey that ultimately returns you to your true self. And that will look different in different seasons. And you kind of have to embrace that and just go with the journey and press in and know when to pull back and know when to be hard and soft and all of the above. So, Mrs. Pakri, <laughs> tell me... I think the first question for me is like, who, who are you? Is that even a question that you can answer in this moment? I don't know. Can, we, can anyone answer that question? <laughs> sure. I think it's like you were saying, it's a journey to sort of this becoming and, and coming home to yourself. Yeah. Um, and as you were doing the intro, I'm just busy thinking I had a conversation with my mom the other day and she was saying to me, I really like the person that you've become, you know, um, specifically like with me, she's like with me, like I just love the person that you've become and I went, I had to think about that for a second and, mm -hmm. I, and I think my response to her was, I said, I've always been this way. So basically, she's kind of met you where you've been. Yeah. She's finally met you. She's finally met, met me, yeah, where I'm at. Um, and she had to actually pause and think about that for a second. I said, you know, we all get consumed. This is how I've always been. This has been our biggest fight we've always been fighting about, me being me. And that hasn't changed. Yes, my approach has been slightly different. I've grown, I've matured, um, all of that. But, but I've essentially always been this way. Mm. Um, and so the journey really has been how do I show up for myself and, and how do I allow other people to see me? Yeah. The true self. The true self. Like who, who I am. Like not the facade, not the person the I'm trying to be, not the mask. Um, how do I authentically allow people in and become more permeable so people can see me? Yeah. You said something earlier before we started recording, which was so powerful. And I think what I want to ask about that is the journey. So we're talking about going back to true self. We're talking about not even going back to, but we're talking about every experience in life leads you down a path that will lead you back to yourself. And earlier you mentioned how you have always been a goal-orientated person and and just everything for you is a thing to be a conquered. Tell us more about that. What does that, what was that then? What does that look like now? And what's happened in between? 
Yeah, I think, um, so maybe let's start here, right? So the first time I did one of these personality type of assessments, um, like I did quite a number of them being in HR myself mm. um, and really being into people development and, and all of that. So every assessment I've ever done, like a personal personality assessment, um, if I do insights and I'm insights read first, so be brief, be bright, be gone. <laughs> I need to achieve, I need to get things done. Um, if I do the, if I did the Enneagram in my twenties, um, I was a competitive achiever. Mm. Um, and so all the personality traits that I exhibited, like I think from a very young age was towards accomplishment. And I think it all started um, really just growing up being very little and not having much um, in my family, in my home life and going at the age of seven, you know, I went, this can't be. So like, I think a defining moment mm. um, in my life was, yeah, I was in Sabi, which is now otherwise known as grade two. Um, and we had to make a little house. Like yeah. We had to build a house. And my mom helped me make a house, an exact like replica of my grandmother's house, which is a two bedroom house in Bonteville mm -hmm. in Cape Town, which is like a township. Um, and everything up until like the toilet chain that we had. Oh to my pour. God. Yeah. That's also my grandmother's house. Yeah. We also had that. <laughs> yeah, the chain that you had to pull. And I was, I was so proud of, of this, this house. And I, I took it to school and like the first indicator to me, I mean, I thought this was brilliant. And if I went around the classroom and I, I looked at everyone's stuff, like, I mean, creatively, I think this thing was amazing. This little furniture, it was, it was oh, awesome. That's awesome. Right. Um, and I got 16 out of 20 for it. And I mean, like seven years old, I'll remember that mark for the rest of my life. Okay. Okay. Why? Because there was someone else who got more than me. And you didn't like that feeling. I didn't like that feeling, but also I didn't like why she got more than me. Why did she get more than you? So her dad was a carpenter and oh. he completely bolted her this dream double story kind of house painted peach. I've never <laughs> ever seen a peach house. I'm like, <laughs> who lives in a house like this anyway? No um, offense to anyone who lives in a peach house. <laughs> And it was peach and white, and it was it was gorgeous. It was beautiful, but you could you could a hundred percent see that this girl made no effort to. She didn't do it herself. She didn't do it herself. Yeah, you know, and yet she got the mark because of the aesthetics of it all, because yeah. of how it looked. And so, in my mind, I thought, I think, you know, this is what the world demands of you. Yeah, you know, and so this is what gets you twenty out of twenty. Not not the effort, not all of that. And so I had to sort of at that tender age, I think, started, I started reconciling to myself, like, you know, where is it that I want to go? What is it I want to do? And how am I going to get the 20 out of 20? Because mm. that's what I really needed to validate sort of my, like who I am, what I can do in this world, you know, all of that. So I think the journey that was a critical, I would say, incident for me that was defining. And I think at that point I was like, mm, um, I need to not like strive for the two bedroom township house that, you know, cause that was my whole context, my whole world until I saw something different mm. um, for the first time. And that was eye opening to me. And so I think I started just trying to get more experiences outside. I, I would just go to friends' houses, see how they do different things. Their parents do differently to try. So that journey really started of exploration Yeah. Um, for me. I mean, I started even exploring with religion um, yeah, I remember you telling me, like, yeah. <laughs> At that young age, and, and I, I made a decision to, to, to do something different to what my family 
was doing. Yeah, to believe something different to what they were doing. And I think that set me off on this path where, you know, um, I had to be really strong in my conviction mm. um, around who I wanted to be and how I chose to show up. And sometimes in the early phases of doing that, you take it to the extremes yeah. to make a point. And to show people that you will be different regardless of your context, your situation, your circumstances. Um, and it's, it's it's kind of like growing that almost half credibility in your own family, within your circles, that people know for sure that you're different and that you will have a life that is different. Mm. Do you think that was also part of like convincing yourself that extreme, like, I think... Well, first of all, we have very similar personality types, <laughs> which is actually quite interesting why we get along so well, because I would have thought we would have clashed more. So um, don't you feel like that extreme is also the reason why it had to be so extreme is that I have to convince myself that I will make it. So I obviously know that this is no longer enough for me, not even enough, but like this is not how my story looks and I'll do something different. You know, I um, I had this thing that I always used to say. I mean, I think up until my my early twenties, maybe in my teenage years as well, it's that whatever I wanted to do, whatever I ever thought about doing, I would make a point of telling everyone because I wouldn't give myself the option to fail at it. Because everyone kind of was watching. They were watching and they were holding me accountable in yeah. some way. And because I think for me, like the shame of not achieving what I set out to achieve, I almost, I almost, it was, it was a way for me to guarantee that I would do it. Mm. Because like if I couldn't sustain myself through what was inside, I would use the outside influences to drive me. Oh, external validation. External validation, but also the pressure, like the challenge of it all. I was a high challenge kind of individual that used to drive towards it. So as a kid, so when I did my... Um, my strengths finder and one of my strengths were competition I didn't find it surprising at all because number one I didn't have anyone around me that I could really compete with so I heavily needed to compete with myself Wow! so I would set myself these unrealistic type of goals to be able to achieve where I didn't need the external, external as much anymore okay and that sort of gave me confidence um, and self-belief so like I was my sister said something interesting to me she said um, no, it's just, I'm just going to faith it till I make it. And I was like, in the beginning, I was faking it till I made it. Yeah. And, you know, to the latter part of my teens, I was faithing it till I made it. Yeah. I had that belief. I knew I could do it. I had that confidence now through those experiences. Yeah. And then I just decided, right, I'm, do I'm doing this thing and I'm going to be doing life. And I believe that it's all going to happen. Faith is to believe what you do not see and to see what you believe. Um, and as you were speaking, like that was one of the verses that came from the Bible. Something else was also like very, like I was thinking, I was like, yes, you were speaking and you were saying that, um, like your words have power. Um, it says there's something, it's a scripture in the Bible. I'm trying to remember it correctly, but I think it says, um, life and death lies in the power of the tongue. And I really do believe that. And I think sometimes, and a friend of mine, Mutsa, and I always like joke around and say, oh my gosh, watch us say something negative about us and it will happen immediately. <laughs> <laughs> then you were talking about how all these positive things and it takes so much longer to kind of transpire in the physical realm. 
And it was just always like crazy because we were like, oh, we'll say something negative today. Tomorrow we wake up and the thing is happening. Um, and so, yes, I agree with you. There is power in your words have power and uh, how you choose to speak to yourself also matters. I want to understand like, so you talked about the transition into how it stopped being external, but it became internal. But what was the cost of you being so goal orientated? Because I think it's easy for people who have like visions and goals. And I mean, the Bible says, make it, write it down, make it plain so that whomever sees it may run with it, which is great. And vision boards and we do all of these things and we, we speak to our friends and we have accountability partners. We have personal trainers at the gym. But no one really speaks about the cost of self in the journey to being this like goal driven because I think for me, a part of the reason why we become goal driven is like, that's something that I can see. The situation that I'm in is like, it's obviously tangible, but you had to believe that there's something more, right? And before you could actually materialize it, it had to exist in your mind so that you can step into the next thing. And then when it's there, it's like, okay, cool. There's evidence to the fact that this is a working formula. So what is the cost of self? Yeah. Sure. So I think for me, um, I think whatever I tried to do to be where I'm at today did come at a cost. Um, and to some extent, a great personal cost. Um, mm. And let me maybe contextualize. So I think in the beginning, as you're growing up, you're very much tied to what we call the collective reality. Like, mm. you know, so I mean, I care about what other people think a lot. Mm. Um, so that will drive me and it did mm. for a long time. And then I think as I was growing and maturing, I became more tied to my individual reality and what it is that I wanted and what I was seeking and the purpose and the meaning that I was looking for. Mm. And when that shifted, um, I think the first big cost um, that, that I had to sort of, or sacrifice that I had to make is my family. Sure. Okay. Tell us more. Okay. So, um, so when I got to varsity um, through a bursary, you know, working hard at school, all of that, I, I got a recruitment bursary, bursary from Stellenbosch University. Um, and I remember, you know, even through high school and in my first year, my mom would say to me, like, you know, she's like, oh, how, how was uh, varsity? I was like, no, mom, I was coming from work. She's like, okay. So they like, never really knew what I was up to, what I was doing. Because between the three jobs that I worked and the studies, I really sacrificed a lot of family time. Mm. When my family were making memories, and my, my father's a mechanic and he's a was a race a hull driver actually, um, and they were going to to racing and they were doing all those things. I was at home. I was studying. I was working. You know, I don't share those memories now with my family. And I mean, you know, so so that came at a cost. And then first step that I had you listen if you wanna make it something's got to give like everything can't you i can't please my family my friends and everyone and at the same time please myself yeah so sometimes you just got to do what you got to do and when others don't believe you or believe in you you have to faith it till you make it yeah. you have to believe in yourself harder than than anyone else could possibly yeah into my 30s has been going from the doing to the being you know, so so I think the doing kept me going for as much as I could. Yeah. And then my next transition was into being. 
Okay, I've got to just, let's just pause there for a second for everyone to just get that moment because I think that's so profound. You're saying that from your 20s, it was going, like, as in doing, it was a transition from doing to being. So almost like I have to keep doing this thing and keep exercising this muscle, exercising this faith, moving past the hurdles yeah. and surviving Yes. to being, which if I understand it, you correct me if I'm wrong. Being is like, this is really my life and I am an active participant in my life and I am present in it. I'm, I'm, or, I'm present in it and I'm accepting of the circumstance. So before I used to bulldoze through or push through the pain, like push through the pain barrier, you know, like do, do something must be done. We, when I got into my early thirties, I realized that actually not doing is also an act. Say that again. Like not doing something and being, not doing anything. Like just, okay, cool. I got you now. Completely being like rest, the states of rest, presence, just I'm here. This is the moment that I'm experiencing and I don't have to do anything. Yeah. Got you. And that actually things will still be happening. The wheels will still be in motion. Like nothing will stop just because you stopped doing. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So I think for the first time in my early thirties, I really just took a, a moment to exhale. Wow. So it was like a, <sighs> what, what had shifted? Like what was different then in the thirties that allowed you to, to transition to being so this mentor page madams. And she said to me also, you know, you need to be like, you, you're an excellent performer at work. Okay. And she said, when you're doing that, like, where are you a concerning performer? Where are you an inconsistent performer in your life? Yeah. What's giving? Because something has to give. Something has to give. And I think this is what people don't understand. It's like on the road to success, on the road to what, whatever you, you believe is success for you, sacrifices, they have to be made. Mm. Okay. And you have to be conscious of that. And, and you really just have to try to keep that balance. And then she said, you need to be like a GP at home with your husband, a GP mom, a GP, you know, um, with your health, a, G, a good performer at work, a good performer everywhere. And you don't have to necessarily just excel in one area of your life. Mm. And when she said that, I probably cried for about 15 minutes in the mentorship session because I had realized how much I sacrificed. Um, throughout my 20s, I mean, I was over, I was in America. I came back. Um, I lived in Joburg for a while. And I, I, I literally, I, I didn't think my family even knew me anymore. Yeah, because you were gone for so long. And even when you were living at home, you weren't present no. and you weren't like an active participant in your household. You yeah. were just like, I got to go and I got to do and I got to move and I got to make things happen. Like you said, right? You're the person who makes things happen. That, that's it. That's it. And so I, I would then, I mean, my, I would send money home. Yeah. That would be my engagement with my family. Transactional. Very transactional um, until my mom fell ill. Um, and I was just on this project in Nigeria and I kind of had to come back home. Um, and I wanted to come back home because she was in a coma and I had to really just, it was a critical time for me. Mm. So I think at the same time when, um, you know, so that had happened and then I had met this mentor in my next role mm. and she was like, you know, what's, can, what, what's giving? Yeah. And I realized like, that's, that's the one thing I had to sacrifice. So if you talk about like what the things that I 
had to move through it, it's definitely that that would be one another one and so yes i mean i started this journey towards like you know being more present um getting to learn to know my family again because they knew me as an early team mm. and they hadn't seen my growth and they hadn't seen like how i would go to family functions and arrive for the birth of a child and mm. you know that's what i would be doing but I wouldn't really be be present. I would do fun things with the kids, take them out, take them to places, get them exposed, give them experiences that I never had. They went to Robben Island and Table Mountain and I just took them to the zoo to see things that we like never had when we grew up and and I thought that would be my contribution to this family. You so. were like you were like showcasing the highlight reels of what you think is what they needed to see of you and experience of your new life and also just showing like the like you know like I'm I'm on my way to making it here mm-hmm. and this is what it looks like and so hopefully inspiring the kids to want something different than than what they know what they currently see you know all of those kinds of things um and showing my parents the value of going to university of studying and in doing all these things because for them they just that that wasn't their context um like I'm the first person in my family to matriculate, like let alone have a master's or, you know, so they, they didn't just understand that world. So I felt like part of what I needed to do was to show them something different. Um, and so I did that. Um, so I started this journey sort of towards mindfulness in my, um, in my 20s, late 20s, um, and really just trying to understand myself better, knowing myself. And I think that's that shift that came into into being so i so, so like right now like i mean i mental health um you know your holistic well-being is a serious passion of mine and i i started that journey at a very young age so i think by the time i got to to my 20s like i i really had learned lots of coping mechanisms and skills and all of that but then sort of taking that further into the being mm. so doing less and being more you know getting out of my head and into my body mm. so it's almost like I, I came out of myself towards my 20s like I could see myself like looking at I could see me looking at me and I could start evaluating myself from a different perspective mm. and so having that experience um, just made me realize that I'm okay and I'm enough and I don't have to keep doing and doing and doing to be accepted, to be appreciated, to be understood, like it was okay for me just to be me. And so I would say that part of my journey has really been, I think, the most exciting part for me Mm. in terms of returning to who I am at the core and not who I want people to think I am or be who they expect me to be or... You know, so that's that's was like the major transition for me, and then a big defining moment for me is is having my first child, Odin. Yes. Um, and so that's been a major personal learning journey for me, um, and I've learned a lot through being a mother, mm. um, because now when I self coach myself, I would ask myself, what, what would you tell Odin? Yeah. If she was in this situation and how would you want her to be different or to handle this situation mm. differently to the way you would and so I've gained that extra perspective mm. and so I think for me it's about gaining life experiences is the most important thing that that helps increase your perspective mm. like decrease your judgment of self and others love that 
you know, and gain more and more perspective. And, I love that. And that perspective comes through empathy, which yeah. leads us back to your other question. Yeah. About being permeable and being vulnerable and being real to yourself first when you look into the mirror and then being able to be real with yourself and then others. With others. Yeah. Yeah. Sure, that's so powerful. You've, you've actually had like quite a lot that you've shared in this moment. And I mean, a few things that I just keep, that keep popping up for me is like, you talked about self-belief and having to faith it till you make it, but also to have the undeniable belief in self that you are going to make it. And also, I just think believing in what you were seeing, even though your current circumstance was not like depicting that, it's almost like, I think growing up for me, I was always like such a big dreamer. I mean, that's changed a little bit because, you know, life knocks you and <laughs> you got to like, hey, be careful. Um, and we, we, we learn how to guardrail ourselves and guardrail our hearts. Mm-hmm. And so like when I was younger, it was always like I read. I was an avid reader when I was younger because I always wanted to create a world that looked different to what my world was. And I think when I think about the journey of becoming or coming back to self rather, because I think it's a continuous thing. You continuously come back to yourself in different seasons. And one of the things I just want to share with you is like you talked about like the belief thing. And as you're talking, I was thinking, oh my God, like I remember standing in my kitchen back home in Durban and saying to my mom, like, I want to go to Paris. And I was a kid, like I've wanted to go to Paris. Well, I mean, I've been, but I had wanted to go to Paris since I was like maybe nine, eight, nine. And like, I remember this, this movie that I watched and I saw the Eiffel Tower and I thought it was so beautiful. And I'm like a romantic of note. I love love. And obviously it was a romantic movie. And I was just like, this is just, this is where love comes to really blossom. Because, you know, the movies back then were always about the couple gets engaged in Paris, mm-hmm. all of that. Um, and so I remember just saying out loud to my mom, I want to go to Paris. Um, and that was just one of the things I had said, and I don't know why that specifically is the th- the memory that stuck with me. But my mom was in the kitchen. I think she was cooking something. She turned around, she looked at me, and she chuckled a bit, and she's like, "It's good to dream." But it was almost like in that moment she was saying, "Well, I've never left Durban. I've lived my whole life, and I've been in Durban, right?" And it was so interesting because even in my context of my family. Um, the broader family, none of my female cousins or anything ever studied outside of Durban. And, well, maybe, I guess KZN, let me say KZN. Mm. Everyone studied within KZN. So I was like the first to leave the province. And I remember one of my cousins saying to me, no one's ever going to let you leave because no female leaves the province. I was the first female to leave the province in my family to study elsewhere, Mm. right? And so like those little things were always so interesting to me to be like, when someone said no to me or when someone didn't believe, it almost was like I went harder mm. to prove the point, yeah. right? And it had to be even, there was always just an intrinsic self-belief that I can go into any room, anything, and I can learn it. Even if I don't know it, I trust myself enough that I will learn this thing yeah. that I need to learn to make this work. Mm. Um, I like what you said about trusting yourself. Um, I, I think I think that is something for me that like I really just like even with my my own daughter is to help her 
to just to understand like you know you need to you need to trust yourself you need to trust your instincts um you know and where you're at because a lot of the self-belief comes from a lack of trust in self um if you if you don't sort of believe in yourself like i don't trust that i can actually do this oh yeah yeah no no definitely But I think we also need to speak about the opposite of what the impact of failure can do to also your self-belief and, I guess, trust, right? Mm. And which is why I think we think about these things in really grand, like, moments and experiences, like, oh, my God, I'm going to do this degree because that's, like, a big thing. I'm going to get this job. I'm going to get this promotion. I've now had to double back in my journey of really reconnecting and kind of saying, what does Mali at 31 need? What did Mali at 21 need? What part of that 21-year-old that's in me still needs what, right? So to understand exactly what I need to, to move myself forward and heal what I need to heal is that I realized that somewhere between, somewhere along the line, because of failure and the consistency of the failure, not necessarily just once off event, there was a period in my life where I didn't know what failure looked like until I had it, and I had it back to back mm-hmm. in different areas of my life. So it was like in the work area, losing my job, like 60 days after relocating. Mm-hmm. Then being in a relationship that was like long term, but couldn't quite make it work. Yeah. Couldn't quite understand why not. Yeah. There was, you know, so that... Um, feeling like in the friendship realm it just wasn't it just didn't look like what I had wanted it to look like or what it did look like before so it felt like in different areas and also as a daughter and like as a sister it all felt like I was failing whether or not that is factual or like there was evidence of that is neither here nor there now but in that moment it was like the consistency of the failures and what that did in a period where they were all back to back and almost intertwined is that I started not trusting myself because I knew that there was a certain way that I could show up and there would always be a certain result, Mm. which meant that I would always be a certain person to these people, right? Without these, this flow, it felt like, well, then who am I? And then what can I bring to the table? And can I trust that I can make this work? Because the last two things told me that maybe I'm not, such a hot stuff like maybe i don't know what i'm doing and maybe i'm not so smart and maybe i need to just stay in my lane shoot lower you know and not be so bold in my thinking Mm. and so i think it's it's quite important to look at that at a very basic level to say how do i really build the trust so for me now if i say to myself i'm recording a podcast I do it, whether I feel like it or not, whether whatever. So if I've given myself a deadline, whether it goes out to the world is a different story. But to me, it's like, I need to be able to show up for me in the Mm -hmm. moments that no one else will see. If I say to myself, this is the commitment I'm making to myself, that I'm going to go to the gym, that I'm going to work out three times a week, that I'm going to go for a walk, that I'm going to do this. Every time that I honor something that I've set out to do for myself, is rewiring in my mind that I can trust me and that I do have me so that if I don't have the support of anyone else, I've still got me. And I still, you know? 
Look, Mali, like this, like, so I've got this thing that I tell myself that if I, if I fall, the ground will always be there to catch me. I mean, that's a hard fall. <laughs> that's a, that's a, <laughs> like, I'm not going to be falling forever. Oh, that's true. That's true. Do you know? So, so like, I, I think of it in that way. And, and, and the thing about, like, the failure, that first big failure, like, not getting into this awesome top 10 company, bank, all of that, was that, like, you really start trusting the universe and trusting that things just also are. And that you don't always know better. True. That's okay. good. Yeah, that's good. And so, so here's what happened with that. I ended up at Deloitte. And my first client was, guess who? Standard Bank. Standard Bank. <laughs> Full circle moment. <laughs> and myself and another um, consultant were placed in Standard Bank as graduates in that space. So Deloitte found us for Standard Bank when they said no to me for that exact same role. But they contracted a consultant from a consulting house to come and do the work that they had needed done in that space. I was in the space at the right time, in the right place where I needed to be. I had the Standard Bank experience. I was then absorbed back into Deloitte um, full-time as an external um, HR strategy consultant. And the experiences that I gained there, I mean, I consulted to more than 17 companies while I was there. Such a broad range of experience. And it was just the better thing for me than what I thought I needed. Yeah. You know, it set me up in my career in a way that I couldn't have known, that I couldn't have imagined was possible because I only had the information that I had to work with. And so that's the, that's the other thing, right? It's like the ground will be there if I fall. I can trust myself, but if I feel like I can't, let me trust everything else that's at play that's in my favor. And that's a difficult thing to say. It's powerful, but I think it's like, it's so easy for us to say things like that, like trust the process and, you know, I think we do learn with age um, that letting go serves you far greater than holding on. I believe that. I do believe that. I think the process of getting to a point where you're able to let go, though, is so difficult because it's the dying to self process. And, and here's the thing that I've now come to, to learn is that you can't always time that growth. You can't time that transformation for yourself. 100%. It's that you just have to be ready, like, you know, and let it happen um, and not try to block it from happening because I believe that the lesson that you're learning will come back to haunt you and, you know, you will try to, you have to learn that lesson until you freaking learn it. So, <laughs> you know, and, and sometimes, I mean, look, my main, my, like one of my mentors told me something in my 20s whoop, went over my head. In my early 30s, I reflected on it and it changed my life. I actually believe, so I actually, on that point, really, really believe that each lesson that you're meant to learn will find you at the right moment. So whether you have to have the same experience in different contexts, until you are awakened internally, until inside of you, there is a space for you to receive this particular thing, it will obviously do nothing for you. It's like when you read a book. Books are, I believe that books are for each season. So you can buy a book, read it, and it's like, whoa, what a waste of time. Pick it up 10 years later. You read that book and you're like, damn, this is like unlocking something. Because you also have to be ready for what you're receiving. 
you know and and I think that's that's it right and I've now been able to put it into words like having you know climb Kilimanjaro in Feb this year one of my my key lessons is that the mountain will meet you where you're at love that the mountain will meet you where you're at yeah okay and and when I talk about going from doing into being, it's that acceptance is what I'm saying. This is where I'm at right now. It may or may not be where I want to be, or maybe I don't even know where I want to be. But that just is what it is. And that's okay. And that's okay. That's okay. And, you know, the next time I'll reflect on something, read a book, listen to a podcast, and something great will shift in me. And, and that's okay. You know, so it's about... You know, I know it sounds cliche or whatever it is, but I mean, that's really been one of my my greatest learnings um, is is that, you know, the mountain will meet you where you're at. Another thing that you actually always shared about um, your journey to climbing Kilimanjaro and like, you know, besides having to push your body and like your mind really having to be the thing that is carrying through when your body couldn't, you you always say, and you've always said, is that from Kilimanjaro, what you also learned was that it's not about the mountain that you climb, but it's about like conquering yourself. Please, how do you say it? Yeah, it's, it's your it's, thing. Please, it's, it's not. It's, it's like I, I, I really don't feel like I think the, the guy who first climbed Mount, Mount Everest did say it beautifully. Yeah. Um, but I think it's it's about it's not the mountain that you go to conquer. And I mean, I think it's 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 me I conquer. Yeah. It's not the mountain I conquered, but myself. Yeah. So. Like, I mean, I had a Kilimanjaro on my, on my bucket list for a long time because it was another challenge, another goal to set to achieve. Yeah. Okay. Um, and thank goodness I didn't do it <laughs> before because this time, like when I chose to do it now, I was invited to do it and I decided to do it. It was not about conquering the mountain and even getting to the top. And that was something really different for me. Okay. So what was it about? Damn. <laughs> I'm not going on a mountain if I'm, that's not the objective. What was it? You know, so, so I think, I think it's just part of the, the, the being. It's like kind of slowing down and accepting that I can do anything. I mean, we trained for eight months. Mm -hmm. We started off with one hike, small hike a week. I could barely make it up Table Mountain. Mm -hmm. Um Eight months, seven months later, what, six, seven months later, we did, six months later, I think we did the Drakensberg. Um, and then we were up to five hikes a week um, around around the Western Cape in preparation for that. And honestly, it's like my husband has something that he says, James always says, like, we bleed on the training ground, you know, and not in the ring kind of thing. I love that. Okay. okay. And so for me, about the, the getting, the preparing was actually more of the the experience than just climbing the mountain. So becoming prepared for anything, being out um, in nature, really, and just knowing, getting to know myself in solitude. Um, believe me, when you're on like a 12, 14 hour hike, you, you get to the point of exhaustion sometimes, mm. where it's not about the conquering anymore. It's not, it's about every step. Mm. And so the other, the thing that I learned is it's about how you get through the really big things. It's like, Mm. One breath, one, one step. step. Yeah, one breath, one step. Right, and and that is part of the being and the acceptance and being present with everything that you're doing and enjoying those moments along the way. So, so I think for me that was that was like some of my my key learnings in that space. Um, it was about the prep. I talk about layering the trifle. And uh, for those of you who eat trifle, you know <laughs> the trifles are layered. 
um, and there's the jelly and it's beautiful and it's colorful and it's got everything but the more you eat the trifle you can set the goal of this most beautiful beautiful trifle but it's it, it you get there by layering it so this week i do this and i plan and i can organize i can set my goal i can do all of that but guess what when you eat that trifle it's gonna get messy but it's is it still a trifle yes yeah so if i if there's a, a snowstorm or a hailstorm or whatever it is on that mountain i don't make it will it break me if i don't reach the top of that mountain because of circumstances outside of my control I can't force the world to do it. I can't force something to happen. You know, it's, it's less about the doing then and more about the being. So I'm there. I've done everything that I could and I can get to the point of acceptance. So, so we did that. It was one breath, one step. Um, yeah, and, and one step at a time, Mali, I think is, is what it is in coming to that acceptance and saying, listen, it's not always about reaching the top of the mountain. It's about who you're becoming as you as you climb for me Kilimanjaro climb was climb the climb was done before I got there you always say that I love that I love what you're saying is that it's not about reaching the top of the mountain it's about who you're becoming as you're climbing and I want to like translate that back into the context of real life and why we will this episode for us is kind of a, a a conversation about like coming back to yourself because you have to understand that the journey continuously in different ways in different areas and in different rings of your life it's always going to be about who do you become from that scenario and how do you find the truest version of yourself in that scenario and how do you learn to share it with the people that are in your life that you're doing life with and also be okay with not sharing it with the people in your life that you're doing life with you know Um, and I think it's it's really beautiful to to just kind of have that note that's which is what I want to kind of just pause on as we wrap up today is that it's not about climbing the mountain it's not about the the job that you get it's not about the 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 wedding proposal the 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 union it's you know all, all these various things that we sh- we we want to achieve we want to pursue which is great. I think it's about who you're becoming. Are you proud of who you're becoming? Are you kind to yourself as you're becoming? Are you authentic and honest with yourself? I really believe in any journey to healing, to love, to fullness is that you have to face yourself and you have to be like sit with yourself and be honest with yourself Um, because all of you shows up in every scenario. And when you don't have that moment where you reflect and you sit with yourself, it's almost like you're cheating yourself from having the full experience that you're having in any given arena, in any given office, in any given relationship. You're really cheating yourself. Um, yeah. And I want to go back to something you said about, like something your mom said, is it's always good to dream, right? Um, like, I don't know, like if, if you watch the movie Moana. Um, no, I haven't. I should. You should definitely. But there's a song that she sings and she says, the line where the sky meets the sea, it calls me. Okay. And, and that's the horizon, right? So for me, what's important is, yes, you can be present and you can move from doing into being, but keep your eye on the horizon. Keep your eye on the horizon. You know, because that's where the possibilities lie. Mm. So, 
what it's going to take to get there is, you know, you're going to need the boat, you're going to have to layer the tie for, you've got to train, you've got to be able to sail, you've got to be do whatever you're doing, fly, whatever you're doing, walk, however it is, you, there's a plan that you need in place to get there. But I think it's important that you constantly keep your eye on that. So whether it is just that, that line, the sunrise, the sun, whatever that is for you, keep your eye there um, and, and allow that to keep you inspired um, is the other thing for me. Um, and then I want to I talk about just one thing, right? Whenever I talk to people, especially younger people, um, and I'm sounding like I'm forever and a day old, but... Um, <laughs> Which is not. <laughs> it's it's, it's a, these, these three things that, that really, for me, drives, drives everything, right? Is know yourself, grow yourself, show yourself. I find that a lot of people put a lot of attention on showing themselves, and not knowing themselves or growing themselves. They, they, it's, it's what I portray to the world that's the most important thing. But we're not doing the work. You're doing it the wrong way around. So you want to show yourself and then you want to grow in the background. You know, do a little bit of the knowing. But what's most important is what I show to the world. For me, there is no, you know, growing without the knowing. So the key thing is to really know who you are and spend the bulk of your time in that space yeah know yourself then that's you good. know what to grow that's good then you grow in the specific way you need to grow not what you think is expected of you and then once you do that instead of focusing on personal branding how you look all of that then you can show your authentic self and who you are meant to be in this world you know and you can really shine your light rather than try to show something that you're unsure of what you're showing yeah. and what you're portraying yeah, I hear that. I hear that. But I also think I want to add to that is that it's also okay to also show yourself as you're growing. As in, don't wait for the perfect, like, what, well, what you deem to be perfect to show. Yeah. Um, the process, I think there's a, there's a lot of merit in the process of growing and being authentic in yeah. that process, which is good. But like, I love that. I love that so It's much. organic. It's like, yeah. you know, it's organic because it's authentic. Mm-hmm. That's so good. there is no showing without the growing and there is no growing without, without the knowing. knowing. I love that. <laughs> so, Mrs. Yeah. P, um, thank you so much for your time today. Um, I appreciate you being here and taking the time. Um, do you want to say any last thing before we wrap up this beautiful conversation? Oh, Molly, I, I think for me it's just to say, you know, just thanks for this very vulnerable, open conversation, um, just around life and around being. And I think what you're doing is absolutely amazing. And, you know, when we shine our lights and we show ourselves authentically and vulnerably, we, we really allow other people to do the same. And I think, yeah, helping everyone to, to, to just for their membranes to become more permeable. Just be. <laughs> just be, yeah. Um, and that's and that's okay. And, I, and coming to that point of acceptance, I think it's it's brave and it's wonderful. And I'm just so happy to be a part of it. Thank you. Thank you for being here. And I love you. <laughs> I love you too. <laughs>